This morning, um, as I was listening to the class, uh, I thought that actually Maharaj touched on upon many points that uh, are very relevant to this topic, I felt. And uh, in fact, you know, before the class, I was even writing down some notes, and I even noted down some of the same things, you know, like I was even writing something about uh, calamities, even Kunti, you know, I, I, it was in my notes already this morning. So I was thinking what we should do is uh, we should review this class uh, in, in what uh, kind of in the class uh, we felt really related to, to the topic of faith, obviously. I mean, we do everything has to do with faith here. Uh, but So let us like see what we can remember, something. And uh, this time I'll do the, the writing. I'll jot it on the, on the flip chart. <laughs> there we go. So, uh, you order me and I will uh, write. Where is this? This is So, anything from the class? Anyone? Any volunteers? Don't be shy. Okay. Back to going to something like be merciful, pay eternal debt.
Okay, there's room for one more. Tolerate happiness and distress. Uh -huh. Put the other way around. Tolerate distress. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's things are helping our faith. And with a little comment about them from Vishnamurti. When you help devotee who struggles spiritually, then they stop struggling spiritually, and then you see them taking advantage, you know, you see them awakening in Krishna consciousness, and that gives you faith that the process works. I feel sometimes that, that some devotees, they struggle spiritually and you help them and you keep on helping them and, and you kind of feel like they are draining you of all energy. And after some time you just feel like, you know, how long is this going to go true. on for? That's true, but then you haven't helped them. You tried. You tried, you yes. Yes. Okay. Also, if we try to help other people not just focus on solving our own problems, it's sort of having faith that we can't solve our own problems. Because if we're focusing on like, okay, I can solve my problems, and as soon as I do it, then I will be perfect like this. But if we think, well, I'm not so much in control, so I'll just try to help others. Yeah, like, like I have a, a little metaphor, you know, like, about a box, right? And so you put all your problems in the box and you just leave them on the box and you put it on the shelf and you don't look at it. And then you start just dealing with other people's problems. And when you look, when, when then on an off day, you finally look in your box, you find that it's half empty. Right? And then Krishna took away half the problems, half the material desires, half all the, all like that. I'm going to this 60 miles in effect for the principal Maharaj made a specific comment about faith because he said it was like the example of the medical he called and said, Prabhupada is coming, and the other devotee didn't believe it. And then when Prabhupada looked at him, he said, chant 60 miles and fall for the principal and go back to God. It takes faith to, takes faith in the process and in Prabhupada to, to do it in order to really go back to God. And he also, the other point was that Prabhupada will deliver us. Well, how will Prabhupada do it? He also said that. He said, because when a pure devotee promises something, then Krishna has to do it. 
That's right. I'm bound to fulfill yeah. promises if I really promise. Yeah. It's like, you know, it says in Bhagavatam, there's that example of, uh, of how one, uh, how, how uh, different personalities are rewarded. It says like a brahmana, if he, if you give charity to a brahmana, then you are rewarded. If you give charity to someone who's a realized brahmana, you're even rewarded more. If you give charity to a, uh, to a Veda para, you know, then you get like unlimited in return, right? You may remember that point in Bhagavatam. So in the same way, Krishna says he he's that that whatever the brahmana says, he'll uphold it. So what to speak of a brahmana who's realized? What to speak of? The, the pure devotee. I mean, how much Krishna will uphold that? So, uh, it's very important that Prabhupada had this power, and, and by this power, he was able to go for 16 rounds. Um, we've always heard that Srila Bhakti Siddhanta said, if you don't chant 64 rounds, you're fallen. And then, recently, I was in, uh, in Vindavan, and, uh, yeah, I was thinking, first I had some meetings, I had no time, to get too much into the Kartik mode, but then I was free and thought, well, now I should, like, you know, do something. Uh, maybe I should chant more. So I was chanting more, and uh, then uh, then I read read this quote where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, "Unless one uh, chants sixty-four rounds, unless one is a Lakeshwar, I will not accept any any offering from that person." Right? I'm thinking, wow, you know. Now Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, of course Prabhupada made it down to 16 rounds and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was still accepted, but still it was like more than even Srila Bhakti Siddhanta wanting it, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu actually wanting it. So I was thinking, well, uh, should I, should I not? <coughs> and, and two days later I was in Mongolardic and one devotee who's the deity cook, you know, and he's like, his name is Bhuvaneshwar, and he's like a little hunchbacked, you know, he looks a little like that. And, and he doesn't, uh, he speaks like he's an old devotee, and he always speaks like ah, it's all Maya. Yeah. Ah, it's not Krishna conscious. Yeah, not serious. He's very Krishna conscious. So I meet him in Mongolia, and he goes like, uh, uh, "Today one lakh, right? One lakh, you, one lakh." So I think one lakh, you know, a lakh is also money, right? So I thought, does he want money from me, you know, a donation? For, you know, like, I go like, God, you know, you're hitting me up for a donation in Mongol Arctic, you know? <laughs> this is like a little rough. Right? He says, no, no, you chant one lakh. Right? So what could I do, you know? I had to chant one lakh that day. And then it was so much fun, I decided to go on with it, etc. And, uh, but, uh, <coughs> Yeah, so sometimes you may chant more, that's very nice. But uh, Prabhupada just, just brought it down to 16, and then Lord Chaitanya will give the mercy on that. That's quite amazing. So you yeah, have a more explanation on that, but first Vishnamurti wants to uh, say something. Yeah? Well, I have a point that, so what Prabhupada did is like, he set the demarcation line between Vedic tradition and the mercy of Lord Chaitanya. And it's very, I, I think it's, it's very important that we understand that, that we are not, oftentimes we say we're representing Vedic culture, and in one sense we do, and in another sense we don't. We're representing the Sankirtan movement, which is based on mercy. We can never follow the Vedic culture. If we would have to, Prabhupada told Prajumna, you'll never get out of the bathroom. 
Right? Wash your hands 12 times with clay each time. You, know, you just try and... Uh, very, very uh, difficult. So, uh, Prabhupada made all these adjustments and uh, he could do so because of his great uh, dedication, Krishna reciprocates, and on his word, it is happening. So it's very important, like this point, that you can go back to Godhead at 16 rounds, because we are surrounded by people, frankly speaking, who will argue this point again and again. So we should like really have the faith that Prabhupada said it, and also we should understand why it is true, because Prabhupada had this power, Right? due to his devotion to purchase the heart of Krishna. Right? It's not that Krishna is obliged, but Krishna is obliged in the sense that his heart becomes purchased by the service. Therefore, how, could Krishna, how can Krishna deny Prabhupada? So oftentimes I make also the point, like if we go back to Godhead, or if we're, let's say, at the end of our life, we've tried our best and we tried so many things, but then uh, you get this kind of situation you may have in like your educational system where all the teachers are coming together and discussing can this student pass or not it's a doubt case maybe some say maybe it would be better if they do it again you know just another year uh, others say no no we should uh, be merciful and let this person pass so there may be the whole debate so i could imagine that at the end of our life there would also be a big debate so this person ready to enter the spiritual world, well, maybe better a few more lifetimes in the material world, not fully ready yet. But then someone in the whole discussion will say, no, no, but this is one from Prabhupada's party. Oh, Prabhupada's party? Let him go. Let him go. I'm convinced about that, you know, that's my personal conviction. Uh, Because I meet these people who are putting the trip on you, you know, like, is your guru a Paramaprestha Priya Saki or not? <laughs> yeah? And if he's not, you know, how is he ever going to deliver you? Right? So, uh, it is not required, you know, that the guru is a Paramaprestha Priya Saki, right? Because as long as a guru who is not a Paramaprestha Priya Saki brings everyone to the feet of Prabhupada, which means the instructions of Prabhupada, the standards of Prabhupada, etc., then that's enough right, to go back to Godhead. Vishnu. Uh, about the 16 rounds on the four regular principles, and it's basically it's a concession that was like made for the Westerners, and the criticism is coming from At least the 16 rounds, yeah, the not the regulated yeah. principles. So the criticism is coming from India. So in 87, when we were in the VIHE, we were having discussions on this, about you know, how, how to understand this and why the Prabhupada do this. And Tom Krishna actually brought up the point then, he said, you will all see, or we will all see, that in a few generations, the 16 rounds in India will be a great achievement. Right. You know, that India is going down so much, so it'll be a standard which is acceptable and I like that point and uh, in relation to that I've also often thought that we, that right now we are at a very important time because now we are immediately after Srila Prabhupada and I think oftentimes that the greatest thing we can do right? what is the greatest thing we can do as a generation you know, like living now after Srila Prabhupada I think the greatest thing we can do 
is like be totally transparent and transmit uh, the teachings of Prabhupada as he gave them to the next generations. Right? And not think that, well, maybe now we have become more mature, maybe now we have more knowledge, maybe now we can go more Vedic, right? and maybe we can, right? maybe we can. But I think if we do it, it will not be a great service. I think because maybe in the future generations it will become too difficult, too high. Right? Already, you know, like nowadays we have pujaris, some pujaris, they're total professionals, you know, and then a guy like me, who is not on the altar very often, right, walks on there and looks there like, my God, you know, what are they doing, right? Um, I don't know all the, all the details of intricate puja. So Prabhupada kept it all very accessible to everyone. So I think we should transmit uh, things in principle as, as he gave them. Uh, and not become more Vedic uh, than, than he was. It's a, maybe some detail, but like as a general standard. Uh, maybe there were some things, though, that Prabhupada wanted to introduce that he couldn't introduce. That's also there. But, uh, no, not at all. I often find, well, of course, I would say, in, at least not the ones that join ISKCON. Yeah, yeah? Like uh, maybe outside in the Holy Dams, we do find uh, some people who um, who are more peaceful to, to do the same thing every day. See, that's one quality Indians have. They can do a simple thing, right? Day after day, without change. You know, they can they can dedicate their life to do just a simple thing. We would go nuts, you know. Like, I mean, this is my life, you know. I mean, I got to do something with this life, and I mean, like, how can I do this insignificant thing? I'm a person full of, you know. A, a, Abilities and I have to express them and here I'm doing this service and it's not a, according to my capacity am I really expressing myself right therefore we go nuts I got to do something more you know is this and then just take a duty you know and, and use 10% of their capacity and do it for the rest of their life and they have that that kind of thing and Prabhupada said your western diseases you're always changing always changing um so, therefore, you do find people who can simply sit down and chant and chant and chant. But I found that many of the, the boys that have joined our temples, uh, many don't chant their rounds at all. It's a big problem we're having. And, I mean, I, I've been temple president for many, many years there. And I had to deal with this, how to get them to chant better, uh, how to... Uh, how to, how to check on that, you had to police it even, otherwise it just wouldn't happen. And 16 is like, uh, for most of them also, you know, already quite a, quite a number, quite a struggle. So it's already happening. Yeah. We are talking about this <coughs> opportunity that the, this generation has to uh, transmit Prabhupada's teachings to the future generation. Yes. And I find this such a sensitive and relevant um, topic to, to me because I feel the responsibility 
But um, I, I think should should be also considered the point of uh, entering the spirit of Prabhupada's teachings. Yes. Because otherwise it might be not as Prabhupada wanted to. Mm. If we do not imbibe the, the spirit of Prabhupada and we just transmit Prabhupada's teachings in the future generation, mm. when so many things will be different, yes, it will be, uh, I think, not what really Prabhupada wanted. Yeah, I agree with that also. You know, like I mean, for example, uh, I think that not necessarily uh, book distribution will be the predominant activity for the next ten thousand years in the golden age. I don't think so. Um, I have also arguments for it. One argument is it uh, the, the type of book distribution we do depends on technology. Yeah? It depends on machines that can turn trees into books, you know, and if, if, if you want to order tomorrow a hundred thousand Gitas, right, one week later they drop them on, uh, you know, if you have the money, one week later you can have them right on your doorstep. Right? And, uh, you know, at the time of Lord Chaitanya it was a handwritten uh, Shastra, right, that was being presented, you know, and it's like, uh, I... I I suspect that within the next 10,000 years that era will come again. But uh, so Kaladesa Patra, time, place, and circumstance, is a consideration. But right now, you know, like uh, I think we are very, we're very much living in the same conditions as where Prabhupada was preaching, and right now the the emphasis is still very much the same. Nothing has changed, you know. We're still the same. Uh, we're still having the same pre uh, same same issues as as they had on the Lower East Side. Right? I don't see that that uh, that the that the issue has gone anywhere beyond four regulated principles and and chanting the rounds and you know, uh, Mongol Arctic and uh, I don't see that we have become such brahmanas that now we are ready to raise the standards of deity worship. I'm seeing all over the movement that the standards of deity worship are going down. You know? I mean, not in a big temple like this, but many temples are cut an arti, cut an offering, you know, uh, it's like pujaris with sweaters and socks on the altar. Right? Uh, I, see all, I see all these kind of things. Some temples, you know, the deity dress them once a week, you know, like uh, some temples... Uh, make an offering once a week, right? The Sunday feast, right? Um, yeah, I mean, bhaktas, you know, cooking for the bhaktas, doing the pujas, I mean, these, these things. And uh, I must admit, I sometimes uh, send them on there myself. <laughs> Isn't it, Bhakti <laughs> Used to send them on the altar sometimes. But, uh, what can we do? So I don't think we're ready to, you know, raise the standards, right? Uh, like you know, right now, so much. But you're right. Taking the spirit is uh, is also there. Yeah. <coughs> Probably did say that in a few generations, again, they'll be able to light a sacrificial fire by mantra. Right? You made that statement. Where are they? Mm-hmm. What else? Maybe discuss this about Lord Brahma being consumed by that. Please. 
Well, it's just, just we, we have a conception of God. And uh, I know when I was a current about God when I was a little kid in Catholic school, I was like, I told that I was made for his enjoyment. I'm like, well, who is it? And I didn't have any clear conception. I mean, it, it didn't seem particularly attractive to me that I was made for his enjoyment, but I don't even know who he is. Right. But this is that like, much more attractive. Yeah. And the God that Jesus talked about apparently was a little remodeled from what we heard. Yeah. Yeah. So that he's concerned, he knows about our suffering, and he right. wants to do something to relieve this. Yeah. I like what you what you're saying to to bounce off what you're saying because I was thinking about that this morning, uh, before the uh, I was thinking about different ideas, what we could do today. And uh, I was thinking that uh, if we look at the picture that is being painted of, uh, of God in various traditions of the world, then uh, Krishna comes out a lot better, you know. Krishna, Krishna consciousness, the God that is painted in Krishna consciousness looks a lot better. Uh, like uh, someone could maybe uh, fill that in for me, I mean like rather than me filling it in, maybe you could say why. Why does Krishna come out better than than the Christian picture that is painted of God. Maybe we can. He has so many relationships to these creatures. <coughs> he's not just he has not just um, created us and then he's he Yeah, right on this one. You can walk in front of me also. Many relationships? Just say it in three words. Um, <clears throat> he has personal dealings with his creatures. You can leave out here in this one. Personal dealings with, personal dealings with his creatures. Yeah. There is Ras. There is Ras. <laughs> uh, are we the only ones who have Ras? There's no Ras? I mean, did, did uh, St. John of the Cross have no Ras? Did St. Teresa de Avila have no Ras? Are we, have, do we have the monopoly? I don't know what kind of Ras they have. Do, does, you know, uh, do some Sufis, don't they have Ras? But they definitely have the higher, the higher Ras, the, the higher levels Because also the non-devotees, Krishna also has personal dealings with the non-devotees. He doesn't leave any living entity, even in the germ. Krishna is in the heart of the germ. It's inspiring him to go for the blood of the devotee. And the germ enters into the blood cell of the devotee, which is filled with prasadam from all the sh- it's filled with sugar, <laughs> and the germ has never tasted such a sweet blood cell. <laughs> So, which was the next point? Rasa. Yeah. Rasa, okay. Uh. There are instances, it seems so, you mentioned like St. Teresa, 
You mentioned St. Teresa of Avila, and there are instances, I guess, where it seems that these Christian saints had a more comfortable loss if we talk about being the bridegroom of Christ. The bridegroom of Christ, huh? So I wonder, maybe just not as developed, but there definitely is that sort of mood there sometimes. Varieties of Rasa, maybe? Varieties of Rasa would be more Okay. <laughs> Complete rasa. Total rasa. Rasa total. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like... Here you go into theology. Right? You were no longer looking at the Bible. Where is this in the Bible? I mean, this is like real theology kind of thing. Right? which has been developed, some mystic theology in, a, in, in due course of time. Um, so, um, it becomes even more debatable. Uh, it's even, uh, w uh, what is the, sh the scriptural context of it? So it may be some personal realization of some, uh, some particular devotee, and maybe sincere also, but what does the Bible have to offer in terms of the complete knowledge of it and the complete understanding of it. Like, <coughs> in that way, it's like uh, maybe somebody is scratching, uh, reaching out a little under the surface, getting some sort of reflection of, of, the, of, the, of the full picture, some, some sentiment of it, so it's, some, some of the mood is there, but it's never rasa, total. When others, Krishna in general, or just like the whole subject of Krishna, why no. is it that uh, the... No. What is the subject matter? The subject matter is why is the... Uh, is, is, she, she made the point, right? we just went off in a side point, but that's, that's the point I find is important, uh, that Lord Brahma is much more attractive, that concept of like a, a concerned God, and or, or maybe even different levels, but that up there there's, there's personal concern rather than uh, some sort of God who was the Supreme Lord and we were to be enjoyed by him. It's kind of more impersonal and a less concerned God. So you could, you could sort of look at it like a Christian God who sits very neutral and who just gives blessings, love, you know, some sort of impersonal, all-pervading love, you know, he's like the embodiment of love, but there's no such thing as love, some special, personal love on the human platform. It is some sort of divine love, which is a different love. It's like the sun rays, you know, kind of love, equal to all. The, the Veda personified um, the Bhagavatam express these exalted prayers, and in one in one section they say that uh, among all Krishna's qualities, the one which makes him especially dear to the devotees that is Bhaktivasala. Mm -hmm. He's always affectionate. Of course, that's almost the same as the purpose. The first point. Okay, I'll also put in one point, just uh, why not. Um, for me, it's like uh, the concept that God is an old man, right? 
is like it, it means like he has to suffer, you know. An old man with rheumatism and a sour face, right, and rotten teeth, who is like uh, sitting on a cloud, looking down to catch the uh, sinful living entities. Michelangelo may buy into it, but uh, I have a problem with that God. I'd rather have the, the young one who is eternally enjoying his pastimes and place of so old God versus ever young God. You have to speak really loud. You have a tendency to speak soft. I cannot hear you. You mentioned both of them now, but I thought of form and pastimes in general. Like Krishna's all attractive form is something that we don't find mm-hmm. in other scriptures and also his pastimes. Mm-hmm. All attractive. Form and pastime. I guess she is you. She's her turn. She's yeah, been for a long time. But but uh, hold on. I mean, all the in every religion, it's all about that. <coughs> if you are a devout Muslim, I went to Quetta in Baluchistan, which is part of Pakistan, and I just was there in a small village in the Quetta area. And we were buying some vegetables, and next to the mosque, and there was one man, and he he had such he was so spiritual, and he had such a devout look in his eyes, and I could see this man has lived a very, uh, a very dedicated, he's been very dedicated throughout his life to God, very much, he's very God conscious, very God conscious, and you could see it in his eyes. He was a devotee. So is he not getting mercy because he because he has a beard and a turban? No, I mean that we we know that God's mercy is causeless, and most people think like, well, God will be merciful if I don't sin, and you know stuff like that. But God's mercy is there for. But isn't Jesus very causeless also? He died on the cross, you know, for for people who don't even give a damn about him. Hey, great Jesus. Could you died for us? You know, there you go. <laughs> Well, I'm just arguing. You have to argue back. I mean, it's part of the part of this course. Part of this course is you have to argue back. And I'm maybe a little intimidating, but I tell you, if you're in front of a class of students, it can be much more intimidating than I am now. They go for your throat sometimes. <laughs> in the south of Holland, just one second. In the south of Holland, I went to this student society. It was the worst I ever went. It was called Banalitas. Right? That was the name of their society. And they had one for men and one for girls. And the girls were next door. And they only were invited in the man's place. They couldn't come. There were no chairs. There was a, there was a bar. And there was just... Uh, uh, they even thrown some sand all, all through the place just to make it look like really grotty. And then they had one of... How you call those pedestals you stand on for a speaker? Yeah, so nah, it was like one of those real things, you know, with like a little light on the top. Right? Yeah, a formal podium, huh? okay, so there I was, you know. So, and I had to stand on the podium, so forget it, you know, I'm not going to go and stand this thing. That's ridiculous, right? Anyway, I was there, I couldn't even finish my first sentence, they were already like attacking me on the first word I used, another guy was the second word, the third word, you know, it was like, they were so heavy, and it was just totally gross and uh, 
but and then at the end we served out prasadam and there was no place to put a prasadam except on the bar because there were, there were no tables and chairs so we had to put it all on the bar so then they were all sitting at the bar eating so then I just went behind the bar and as soon as I was behind the bar our relationship changed I became an authority you know? <laughs> suddenly <laughs> suddenly they accepted everything I said you know and, and it worked fine it worked really well <laughs> it doesn't really funny. it's just a story the point of the story is in relation how diff- how you have to be able to deal with opposing uh, opposing arguments. You know, you cannot just because someone is saying why, how, what, then be intimidated. You say because you know of these and these reasons, right? and that's very much what this course is about. Because we have to, we're going through this slow exercise of digging into personal faith, right? to bring us to the point that we stand strong in our own spiritual life, but that's not good enough. We've got to go out and have dialogue. So, you know, we're not going to be intimidated just because someone says, why? Boo! You know, that. You know, you believe in that? (laughs) In in this relation, uh, for me personally, uh, Krishna is more more of a kind God than the Christian picture because he has a, a female counterpart. And it's actually Radharani's compassionate nature which descends in the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also. Of course we can say that Jesus Christ also came to, to show his compassion. <coughs> so you might argue back that Jesus Christ is... Um, Maybe fulfilling the same like you can help me. Um, I think I think so. I think <coughs> that Jesus Christ is coming uh, very much uh, to kind of uh, bring the world much closer to the message of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That he's like sort of a, a messenger who comes. To, to pave the way, but that the full philosophy wasn't there. And like we say, the full understanding of rasa, the full understanding of like uh, all the details about who God is, how God is, all that remains all very vague. And uh, what actually the real goal of life is remains unclear. Uh, there is a lot of emphasis on loving dealings here on the planet, uh, you do find uh, like you do find like sessions Thomas Aquinas or or campus a campus where they're writing about love of God, Mm -hmm. right? They do write about loving God but they don't fill it in very much and it's not even such a common thing I mean you see it like with certain the very deep profound Christian uh, church fathers, but the common Christian love of God. No, God is love. He gives us love, and and we are supposed to love our neighbors, and everything is love, love, love. Right? And it, all, it doesn't go any further than that. Yes. He's controlled by his devotees. Controlled by his devotees. Krishna is controlled by his devotees. 
so don't we see that in any other uh, tradition of the world? I think that uh, isn't all religion based on this principle that the devotee has some power to control uh, the Lord? Reciprocation? You do this ritual and, and you know, you'll surely get this, uh, this benediction. It's Okay, yeah, so it's without any expectations for material gain. Yeah. yeah. Controlled by unmotivated love. By his devotees, unmotivated love. Mm. I just want to, I just think we finished the other part about Prabhupada said that, that this uh, devotee, Vasudeva, was many millions of times, I just in support of Krishna, uh, he was many millions of times more advanced than. Than uh, Lord Jesus Christ, because yes. so so that means that that in the Vaishnava tradition there are many many saints who uh, parallel and in the other even really calculated what Prabhupada did mm-hmm. and can even surpass representing the mercy of, of the Lord in, in the Vaishnava tradition. Like, like the Christians think that Lord Jesus is the only one who sacrificed his life. Yeah, of course, true. Yes. Why was Vasudev's daughter greater uh, than Jesus? Because he was willing to take the sins of the whole world, the whole universe. Even. And, and Jesus was not? Well, Jesus said, this is what Prophet said in the book, he was willing to take the sins of his followers. That's right. Yeah, I know, but I just wanted to hear it. So it's like, surrender unto me, and I will deliver you. Yeah. Yeah. Surrender, and I'll deliver. Whereas Vasudev's daughter was without any surrender, ready to deliver anyone without any practice any condition at all, just as they are, deliver them all, I'll take the sins. There's no need to surrender. Jesus in that whereas Jesus' position according to Prabhupada was surrender unto me and I will deliver you. Yeah. Believe in me, I will deliver you. Have faith. You know, have faith. So does that support the point that was making that the mercy of yeah, 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 of course. Of course it does, you know. I just, just harassed her to get, like, uh, no, not in a, you know, well, just to see if she could defend her point. You're, you're become our lawyer. I'm wondering for myself also how to establish, I mean, experimenting, actually. How to push this point a little further. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we're doing this, right? We want to dig it out so we understand. Not only that Krishna consciousness is the best, you know, it is why is it the best? We, that's why we're, we're, we're going through this whole exercise. I was just thinking something, I don't know if it's related, but um, I was thinking that we see Krishna everywhere in the Prashad, and we the scriptures, and I don't see that with any other religions, no? The paraphernalia, it's just everything is Krishna. We respect That's true, that's true. Yeah, I mean, you know, what do you have, right, in the in the church? You know, this Catholic Church, this little communion thing, you know, whatever it is. I've never had it, but and I'm not coming from a Catholic tradition, but 
whatever it is. It's not much. Is this it today? No, that's true. Yeah, in Krishna consciousness, everything can, the whole lifestyle can be uh, spiritual, can be transcendental. Everything can be done in the service of, can be spiritual. Your Sotosa could still distill things into paraphrased. Yeah. I guess we, we're, we're not having so much inspiration anymore on why Krishna consciousness is better than other religions. Hmm? Yeah, uh, on that side, I don't get it much includes, from you guys. It includes um, Karmagyan and, and Yoga. Like other, others may focus on particular aspects like ritualism or uh-huh. Okay. I don't want to be unfriendly, you know, but these kind of things, right? If you say that, uh, it doesn't touch my heart at all, you know, to be honest, right? I mean, uh, one time we had a session in, in, in Amsterdam, we asked everyone, uh, tell us why you think Krishna is attractive, you know? And then different devotees said different things. One said he plays the flute, he's very beautiful, blah, 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 nice pastimes, causeless mercy. And then one devotee said, because he's the cause of the effect. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I it's like uh, somebody includes all karma, jnana, and yoga. Okay, I guess it's like uh, to some people they really go like when they hear that they will probably say like, "Wow, <laughs> you know, <laughs> wow, like, yeah, I'll join today." But I don't know, not not me. Are we? Are we? Are we? Like in a university situation, is that, is that you? You are in the universe. <laughs> um, I have one very practical. See, with okay, this one with me, you're in the universe, and you have to uh, be able to to defend your to yourself, right? Why your choice in Krishna consciousness, and then you can defend it to others, and then. The, Please, you have another Yes, give us the best food. Give us the best food. Yes, Prashadam, we can convince anyone. Yes. 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 Like you have a statue of Christ in the church, but it's not Christ himself, it's a statue of Christ. It's not Christ. One may maybe maybe approach Christ to to the crucifix, but the crucifix is not Christ, is it? Jagovinda, you are probably the expert on Catholicism here. I'm not the expert, but for sure they they cannot deal with such love with the with the with the motives. Yeah. They just neglect them. Yeah. Yeah, they don't really think it is the personality, yeah. and whereas we are fully accepting they respect the respect, they may uh, uh, offer some respect when they see some 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 uh, in image, but they don't offer. Yeah, such love in like you know, in Spain, uh, 
that's like like they took me to this uh, uh, place a little up in the hills from Malaga, I forgot the name now, where there's a cave and there's deities inside, etc. And you go inside, it looks almost, uh, God, you know, it's like it's almost like uh, Krishna conscious. Yeah? It's like the deities, the worship, the altar, everything is there. It's very uh, close in, in many ways. But you know when they have these um, statues of like Christ and stuff, that's Christ, it's not God. Yeah. Right? So that's, I mean, that's the difference too. Like, we have been working Prabhupada, but we also have Krishna and his farmers. True, true. If you start, like, dialoguing with Christians, though, then we'll find that, like, they have uh, various opinions and that some of them are, are, are very convinced that Christ is God, right? And others are admitting that he's not. So here we have, like, our opinion that he's not, and we should, uh, we cannot expect that they'll accept that necessarily. Some will, some will not. Uh, we have so many choosy names to glorify of God. Mm -hmm. Christians, they also um, want to praise the Lord, but they don't have any names. Last Sunday, someone came to me and said, like, do you think the Bible is a spiritual book? Well, there's spiritual knowledge in it, definitely, you know. And it's like, it says in the Bible that God is only one name. Right? Yeah. We have many names, unlimited names. Uh, the process of worshiping is chanting and dancing. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, true. It's not like, you know, wearing a hair shirt and beat yourself with the cord of your gown and on your on your knees all the time on the cold floor. But is it only chanting and dancing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It can be. Well, Sri Ramarai said, uh, you know, it, for that you definitely need a spiritual body. Yeah. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Which I thought. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I can sympathize with that. Huh? Uh, the, the power of Baraka is very unique. Um, but the, the, but doesn't the Catholic Church have some some parampara of uh, popes? Some and, but wasn't that the game, the, the aim in the church also? Whatever was the aim. Well, it's 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 then a broken parampara, yeah. but in itself, it's like uh, yeah, so same it's system. The maintenance of a consistent parampara. Parampara intact, <laughs> and we still have a parampara intact. They have a parampara that's not even intact. Yeah. Plus, it's not bona fide anyway. <laughs> we have a bona fide parampara, and it's intact also. Okay, your turn. Yeah, um, there, are, there are many different qualities of God we can, we can relate with. Maybe it's related to you know, and different, different kinds of expansions as well. Like, yeah, you know, Lord, the Lord is a protector, or, you know, uh, so many different expansions. We have Krishna, and Krishna himself also has many... We have more complete information than anybody else. Because I think in Christianity you can also relate to God in different ways. You know, God is the protector. God is. Uh, the destroyer. Huh? The destroyer, the punisher of sin. Okay, you know, the wrath. <laughs> the wrath of God. But, uh, you know, I mean, 
isn't that a reality? Yeah. I mean, you know, like uh, in the Middle Ages, one third of the world population died of the Black Plague. When the you know, have you ever read this uh, this, this little book of the beggar of uh, of uh, Martin Tierberg? Yeah. Number one, it's really nice. And he has this, this, these prayers in there. And one of these prayers, he just goes like, you know, uh, he describes like in a very feeling way how in Rwanda millions of people just died and mothers saw their children just rot in front of their eyes, etc. So many terrible things. And then he goes, each time he ends the, the verse with, uh, my God, where were you? Right? And it just goes on. This is the crucial question. He keeps on asking. I, I read in Babylon that Prophet said it's the wrath of the sense enjoyers that consumes them. The wrath of the sense enjoyers that consumes them. I mean, like, uh, could you have said that uh, on uh, September 12th? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Did you say it consumes themselves? The mm -hmm. wrath of the sense enjoyers yeah. consumes themselves. But it also says that in, in the Upanishads that Krishna will help those who want to go to hell, that he'll help them to go to hell. So why does Krishna help them to go to hell? But why do, I mean, like my kid, you know, my, my dear kid wants to go to hell and shoot up heroin, I'll do anything again to stop him. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't no, but he makes the endeavor. This is my question. I have a question. But I wouldn't help him. Should I help him? Say, like, you know, should I help him? The Dutch government, the most liberal government, uh, decided that, like, uh, they should, at one point, they should just give out the drugs, the heroin and everything, you know, to take it out of the criminal atmosphere, etc. And the whole world is criticizing Holland for being so ridiculously liberal. Huh? So, are you on the side of the Dutch government, or are you uh, with the Belgian government? <laughs> Your Belgian uh, residents. Well, I just read yesterday in the bathroom in Dorp that there was prostitution, and there were, they were devotees. Yeah. So the, the idea is that, that Krishna provides for everything and empty what, what they want, and uh, especially if they're very persistent. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, he makes the arrangements to redeem them. Right. So he, he does give us some rope to do what we want, but then he makes arrangements within to kind of uh, make us turn around. But if we're very stubborn, then you know, he, he let us go, give us a little more rope. <coughs> he wants to do that, or it's not a rope, but it's like a sanction. He's just waiting for Krishna to say, get him. Krishna's holding him back. Get who? What happened to Balaram when he became Lord Nityananda? Yeah, but this is an expansion of <laughs> So Krishna is very merciful. Yes. Yeah, the whole concept of an eternal hell is uh, is not present in Krishna consciousness. Or like this material world is an educational program. It's not a, it's not a condemnation. Okay. If if, if sorry. What about the Nitya Bhattas? 
I also have a question because uh, in the Divina Commedia, okay, we find this whole uh, explanation of the uh, Purgatorio, no? which is like uh, whatever that's called in, uh, in, in non-Italian, I don't know. Purgatorio. But that's some sort of hell, which is not an eternal hell. So in the Catholic uh, understanding, it's not just eternal hell. There's also, uh, many souls are going to that other domain where they are temporarily and are being uh, suffer, being purified, and then they go to heaven. Isn't it so? Purgatorio means a place where you get purified. Yeah, but it's, it's like hell. It's totally like hell. I mean, you know, you read Dante's Purgatorio, my God, it's hell all the way. But it's temporary, it's not eternal. So, you know, we always just uh, use this argument, eternal hell, eternal hell, but just... Uh, but they have an eternal hell, so... Yeah, but they have an eternal one and a, and a non-eternal one. It depends on the gravity of the offense. Yes, venial sins. You go to purgatory for the venial so, sins. And you go to for the which sins? Venial. Which are the venial? The more mild. Oh, the mild. It's not like you didn't murder anybody. I, think. I, I don't know what you did. But it wasn't. There's mortal sins and there's venial sins. I see. Yeah, I'm just a total nitwit when it comes to Christianity. <laughs> yes. um, I was wondering about the intact pangra because I was thinking the same thing, um, but I, it's more of a question because I see that other traditions have paramparas, whether broken or non-broken, and that through like their spiritual masters, they receive instructions. But is the concept of receiving God's full mercy? Spiritual master, that doesn't seem like it's present. Mm-hmm. That's right. See, that's why we said a bona fide parampara because uh, it must begin with Krishna. Otherwise, it's it's just not going to work. Yeah. So we see that there, therefore, there's only four sampradayas that we accept because they begin with Krishna. If it doesn't begin with Krishna, it's not clear. So we see the Christian parampara begins with. Jesus Christ and, and whatever his teachings are, and then apostles who are repeating those teachings, but it's not like really Christian himself there. It's not like uh, uh, we don't accept it as, uh, as transcendental scripture. I've noted that down in the section in the, on, on Apurusea, right, that there are many statements where it says the Bible is not transcendental. Uh, in the discussion with the Chantakazi, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is saying the scriptures of the Yavanas are obscure and inconclusive. Right? And uh, Prabhupada writes in the purport, and the scriptures of the Yavanas are the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Koran. Right? So there's like no doubt about it. So, um, so we don't accept them as divine revelations, right? uh, which you know we, we accept only our own scriptures as divine revelations, right? <laughs> which puts us on the same uh, same position as those fanatic Christians who, for years, have said that only the Bible is a divine revelation, and like we are like as bad as the worst Christians. Right? Because as the most because we're saying that chanting Hare Krishna is the only way, Jesus is the only way, Hare Krishna is the only way, and you know, and only our scripture is divine revelation. <laughs> it's fun, right? 
Because we have to sell, you know, we, we'll get to it. You know. I guess we say that our um, that chanting is the only way to achieve what we want to achieve, which means the highest class or, or personal relationship with Krishna and love, but we mm. don't say that this is the only way to achieve anything which is spiritual. I mean, Christians with their own uh, scriptures and practices will attain something which is not Tem- temporary. It's like. Uh, uh, Sometimes upwards, somewhere downwards. It's just in that realm. It's in the realm of going, according to our philosophy, going up and down. Huh? So you can make progress, but no guarantee you're going to stay there. But you can lose it again. But yeah. So like Lord Brahma was sitting on the lotus flower and he wanted to go find out Krishna or the source of it. Uh, and on his, by his own endeavor he came very close. He came much closer. So that he could do, but he could not get the ultimate darshan. I remember we discussed something in communication course about that we don't say that we hold a monopoly with more hierarchy. Yeah. So we're gonna come to like the dialogue, right? So communication, right? Means like uh, of of how to speak according to time, place, and circumstance. So first we have what we really believe, right? And then we have what we're going to say, right? And how we're going to say it. So this is an other thing. You can't mix the two. It's just like the issue of the Hindus. You know, are we Hindus, right? Well, there's a GBC resolution. Yadu, what does it say? I can't bring this interview. No, but you told me the other day. You know it quite well. It says the monotheistic, like we belong to the Brahma which is a monotheistic devotional branch within Hindu tradition, something like that. Pretty good. It's longer than that. Yeah, but he's, he's got it well. So you know, Sila uh, Prabhupada didn't say that. Right? Where did Prabhupada ever say that? We're a monotheistic tradition in the, in the Brahma you know, Vaisa tradition of Hinduism. Da, 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 da. Prabhupada never said that. Right? Prabhupada was like uh, a communications nightmare right? in many, in ma- on many occasions. You know? Prabhupada like, said all kinds of things you're really not supposed to say like, at, at odd moments. Right? He did. Not that we necessarily have to become like Prabhupada. I'm not saying that, right? Because Prabhupada gave that MIT example right, about the guy in the, that was grabbed by the shirt and he said, I can do that, but you cannot do that. Right? So I don't think we have the strength to, uh, to say what Prabhupada said. But uh, I do think that we have, to first, we have to separate the points. If we start thinking, yes, we are Hindus, I think then in one sense uh, we're compromising Prabhupada's teachings. In one sense, we're not. In, in, in our own faith, we say, no, we are beyond any type of belief. Hinduism is all to do with belief. All to do with belief. We are beyond belief. We are at the natural state of consciousness. Krishna consciousness is not an artificial imposition on the mind. Kind of thing. Yeah. So I think for ourselves, we say, no, we are not Hindus. But when we speak about communication, now we're speaking, how are we going to uh, relate to the world and get the world most favorable. Now we will. What language will we speak? How will we explain all these things? But even for ourselves, uh, 
no doubt that we believe that this is the highest. But in regard to what the traditions would be said, there is nothing there, or it's just. Oh, there's something there, but we say that this is not just the highest. This is the only natural thing. Krishna consciousness is the natural consciousness. Any other form of, of consciousness means mixed with madness. Some degree of insanity. There's less insane, totally insane, you know, raving mad, whatever you want, right? So it's like, they're just like, got a pinch of madness. Some people are almost sane, but, you know, and then it comes out. Prabhupada says, uh, produced by, uh, by men, by saintly people. In other words, those who are, are uh, and not uh, fully transcendental. If you fully speak in the name of God, it means one has to be totally transparent to Him. One becomes a via media. It means one is totally surrendered to His instructions. One lives totally the life of, as Krishna is teaching. That can only be through knowledge that has been revealed. So when they say God says this, God said that we don't accept that? If they say what? God said to this or that, we don't accept that? As not necessarily. Not necessarily. Now, I asked this question once to Sahotamaraj about how we see their scriptures, how, or yeah, the, the Yavana scriptures, how do we see them really? And he came up with a very interesting idea that, that uh, actually um, there's one scholar who, who made a whole study on this, and he's proving that all theism comes from India, uh -huh. originally. And this theism mixed with the local tradition, and therefore you get God, like the local spirit who's worshipped on a mountain, becomes God, uh, the supreme God. Uh -huh. So this like that yeah. still, uh, Anyway, we definitely say that all, all knowledge comes from the Vedas, right? That is our, our philosophy. That is definitely our philosophy. Straight Prabhupada, you know? Like, everything... The Veda is the origin of all knowledge, and whatever knowledge exists in the world is, is uh, degenerated Veda, right? It's kind of deformed over the years, and... Whatever is there, it's a remnant of the Veda, a reflection of the Veda, it's you know, speculation based on original knowledge from the Veda. So it has always a resemblance with, with the Veda, and in that way you can find some uh, effects also, you know, some benefits from it all. But it's never, yeah, what can we say? that's what we believe. Whether we're going to always say it like that is another thing. Regarding his points of communication, um, I was wondering is that might we be at risk if we're thinking if we're thinking one thing and communicating another even though it's we're communicating something else then don't aren't we at risk of losing our authenticity and simplicity kind of on the way to becoming a little bit right yeah uh <coughs> Yes, we must be very, very careful in becoming duplicitous. Right? Uh, in our personal dealings, we should never be duplicitous. But in dealing with a uh, person who is actually diseased, right, with a material disease and material madness, sometimes we have to. 
We have to, for the sake of being merciful. Like Prabhupada points out, we have to sometimes lie to it and say, it's a sweet, you know, it is a medicine actually, right, with some sweet around it or something. Yeah. In the same way, uh, total, uh, our, our path, Prabhupada is not recommending that we are always totally authentic right, in, in our communication. Right? That at all times we are, some tact is also there. Yeah. Certain things we may say, certain things we may not say. Diplomacy? 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 Fine. Yeah. But, but that, you, that can be called diplomacy, but what is diplomacy anyway? It, 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 has an, it seems to have a, a, a duplicitous element in it. Yeah. Yeah. Some dishonesty, <laughs> some, something non-authentic in diplomacy. I mean, in the way that you, you only tell the truth if it's beneficial, if it's... What were the three points? Can you help me? Yeah. 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 I, I mean, who, I mean, I'm not here to teach you about communication. You learned it from Anutama. He's a million times better at it than me. I'm not uh, attempting to uh, correct him or add to it or whatever. All I wanted to say is, like, before we start communication, we're at home with uh, with our own uh, with their own understanding, right? Which is totally transcendental. And then it translates in, into the, uh, and how, how it relates on the level of the world. Yadu. Just as a reminder for, because everyone, most of the devotees here to the communications course, the first principle of the communications, who remembers which one is? Consistency with Shri Prabhupada's teachings. Not all of them. Can you repeat it? Because I couldn't Consistency with Shri Prabhupada's teachings and example. So that's the, the first principle which is asked to follow by the... Right, 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 right. But, princ but then communication... See, I'm, I've been a manager for, uh, for 20 years, right? And uh, we have the same principles in management, right? But then you have practical reality. So I found, like, as a manager, I had to do uh, the work of exatria, right? And communications also is that work, right? Whereas, like, when I'm a brahmana, right, then I have another work. As a brahmana, my work is totally principle, right? Nothing but principle. Like the, the brahmanas that were uh, arguing with King Riga about the cow, you know, that, like, the same cow had been given two times. I'll give you a hundred thousand cows in return, for, he said to the second brahmana. No way, right? Because we can't create a president that you can ever... They didn't even explain it. They were, like, absolutely rigid, it is explained that it was that they were afraid to create a president, right? That one could touch the property of a brahmana. But uh, in other words, they just, they were unreasonable, you know? The king was totally reasonable, trying to make a compromise, and it's just like principle, just principle, principle. So brahman means principle, principle, principle. Ksatriya means here's a principle, now uh, here's the practical situation, now we have to do something, we have to act, you know? We have to, to act, so how are we going to act? Right. So, therefore, well, under the circumstances, I think that uh, we have to apply the instruction according to time, place, and circumstance. I think now, today, this thing maybe not, but the other two things can be maintained in this situation. So, this is Kshatriya. So, communications very much has that, that uh, element in it. You can, I, yeah, think, I think, I think. Yeah, the second one is Kaladesha Patra, as 
Yeah. Well, but the first one goes a bit out of the window when you start the second one. That's my point. It is like, it is both the Brahmana and both the Kshatriya are principled people. But the Brahmana just lives for the principle alone and the Kshatriya has to apply the principle and make it work. He has to make it work. Therefore, he has to sometimes bend the principle, adjust the principle, uh, slightly even go against it. Uh, where's the Brahman? Is it? No, this is, that's it, that's the principle. Is there a, The Brahman of Vaishnava and the Kshatriya of Vaishnava, do they come together more? Like you were saying, the Brahman is just principle. If he's a Brahman of Vaishnava, would it be more like making an exception in order to... Mm, no, well, I think that 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 uh, rather than look at individuals, I think look at work, right, and look at duties. And we have different duties. We have duties there where we say like uh, there is a philosophy, there is a standard, there is an understanding, right, and that's it. And that uh, the brahminical aspect of this movement is that it has to be preserved as it is. You can't change it, right? You can't play with it. This is just our heritage and we have to maintain and protect. The uh, other side of the movement is now we have to apply it and work with it, and we will, right? But one can not change fundamental principles, obviously. Right? One may change form, but never substance. We, we, we're not brahmacharis with matted locks, but we, but the principles are the same. Form has changed. You're looking like you want to. Well, I just see that you know, like the brahmana, he can sometimes make decisions or make principles, and they don't bring into that they can be right, but they don't bring into the consideration of like the mercy of the Vaishnava. And then, after a period of time, you know, the mercy of the Vaishnava runs through. It's a powerful principle. But it seems many times we lose time to get to that principle of the Vaishnava. You know, we like we have a standard, yeah. and we say, the broken, and so what are we going to do? And da 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 and then as time goes on, and many elements come into existence, and, and evaluations. But then, you know, ultimately we have this principle of Vaishnava, and yeah. Vaishnava principles always, I mean, should always run through. Sure. But we act on the uh, Brahmana principles sometimes. Yeah, but at the same time, that is true. That uh, which means it is always personal. Right. The Vaishnava principle means it's always personal, and it's always considering the personal uh, situation of a person, and if he is, uh, well, whatever. It's personal, but. Uh, Although the application may be personal, right? The uh, still, the philosophy cannot be changed. It can become a new standard. The standards are the same. So there's still like a Brahmin, uh, without looking at people, there's still a brahminical task to preserve the teachings in its form, and there's still a and there's still an application task, right? which may mean there we we apply it you mean according to situation. I mean, there's a body of, of knowledge, right? That is what it is. And as soon as you start changing it, then you have 
lost something. But to work with that body of knowledge right, is, is a different thing. So these are two tasks at hand. It can be done by the same person, but he's doing two different things. Right? So I feel that when we deal with, uh, in relation to this course, if we deal with personal faith, see, first you explore like what should we really believe without even considering uh, how we are going to sell it to the world, how we're going to communicate first. What is really our own belief and I think unless we focus on that very clear like that you know this is our this is our own true philosophy uh, whether you know the Christians faint at it or whether the, the academics you know really can't help can't handle it you know it's like uh, if we say that our scriptures are apurusaya if we say that uh, chanting Hare Krishna is the only way this is for them you know like and we are like God, everything they, they despise, right? Uh, but that's not now our issue. Right? Now our issue, it's a fact, chanting of Hare Krishna is the only way. And so, before communication comes, comes that, you know, our own personal belief and faith, which we must have pure and straight and clear. And then we're going to apply and, you know, Okay, we bring in mercy, we bend a rule, no problem. So I'm not proposing that we have two kinds of people, but I'm saying we have two types of functions. Yeah. The same person, we as persons have two types of functions. We have one function, one function is we have this aspect of, of really absorbing the body of knowledge as it, as it is, you know, Bhagavad Gita, as it is. And then we're going to uh, next Bhagavad Gita as we're going to explain it. Right? Inside of that, I think we have, a, based on the personal elements, we have a challenge because um, we have the body of knowledge. But we can, uh, as a society, as a young society, we could very much, and we've seen, take that body of knowledge and go into a caste Brahma sort of mm. direction and believe in that. Yeah. And that's where our faith is. Mm -hmm. But you know, if we look at what we are, and, you know, we're actually aspiring to be a body of Vaishnavas. Yeah. And so. Yeah, you're talking about taking uh, taking the the application right on the level of application that you maintain the same rigidity that you had on the level of just orientation. Right? I said the first level is orientation of looking at, at the philosophy yourself, absorbing it. Right? And there you had like, well, okay, now we're going to really absorb it as Prabhupada gave it, this, that, as good as we can. <coughs> then the second level is application. Now, in the first level, it's like we don't let anything in, we just take it as it is. But in the second level, you may, you know, you may, may bend yeah. things, you may, may dress them up, present them differently. But some people then come, become very rigid in the second level of application also. Then become like attached to the Brahmanism, you know, like, uh, yeah, Prabhu, this is not standard. It's like uh, some, uh, some rigidity, right, which, where the human element gets lost. Huh? Is that what you're talking about? Well, yeah, in the sense that in the development of our faith, our heart has to become sweet. So what is the principle that we're following? 
to, to make our heart sweet. Yeah. And if we follow a, a, a Brahmical principle, then many times the heart won't become sweet. And if we follow a Vaishnava principle, then the heart will become sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I think you, you, something is there, you know, uh, in discussion. As soon as you use Varna Ashram, right? The discussion always kind of like escalates, right, into um, into everyone's conception. You know, all I, what I meant to say, and I'll leave out the whole Varna Ashram, right? No, no Varna Ashram involved anymore. Is that there is like a, an aspect where we are absorbing the standards, and then there's an aspect where we get the application of that standard. So I think in the absorbing part of, of the thing, we should not, uh, then we are just trying to get it as it is. At the application, the mercy element comes in, the adjustment for the individual, we bend over, we say, well, like so many times I preach to someone, don't worry about the four regulative principles right now, you know. Try at least one or two, you know, try become a vegetarian, chant Hare Krishna, you know, it's like at least chant some Hare Krishna, right? Like that, you know, it's like, uh, if you can't follow the principles, all right, you know, like then you don't, but at least keep on chanting Hare Krishna. Even to someone who's, who's like been trying for many years, you may preach that, but you'll not find it in the books like that. Right? You'll find something, chapter 12, Bhagavad Gita, but not spelled out like that, you know, like, but we preach it sometimes. And Prabhupada also was sometimes making such adjustments. That's all application. But the principle is still four regulated principles, 16 rounds. That's, that's, we're not going to ever, in this movement, we're not going to change that. No way. I don't imagine that. And you had a reference, but I often heard that Prabhupada sometimes made the very soft things that actually I I cheated you, I told you it would really be easy, it was just singing, dancing, and chanting, but actually the process of purification very... So in that sense... In Bombay, to Mahabudi. Did he say that to him? It said like uh, about being tricky. Yeah. Mahabudi was saying that uh, Indians are so tricky. And then, you know, and then he said, but not you, Prabhupada. And the Prabhupada said, no, you're wrong. I'm very tricky. <laughs> I tricked you all right, into this whole... I was thinking that's like, you checked me, I was thinking that, and then I heard that he said that. Yeah, yeah. So is that true then? Yeah, Mahabodhi and Bhambi. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah, so that's like one of the proofs, you know, like that, uh, that, it, uh, uh, that in communication, the authenticity, because that's what started this whole thing off, you know. Yeah. The author that Prabhupada was not always concerned with being authentic, he was also concerned with being tri tricky. That's right? so just a story that illustrates that point. And I used already the example of the medicine and the sweet around it. It's again what I said yesterday, we are not like always into open dialogue, you know. I mean, actually we have an agenda, really. Right? We want to, uh, you know, they always accuse us, like, uh, well, in Dutch they say, you know, zieltjes winnen, how you translate that, uh, to get, uh, to, to, to catch the souls, you know, there's this zieltjes, win souls, you know, zieltjes winnen, you know, to win souls. And 
this is like what we're always accused that you guys are just trying to get to, to save the souls, you know, like saving souls, right? And it's like, uh, you know, they hate us for it, you know, that we are just not normal people who can communicate nicely with people on an equal level, kind of, but that we're all along have this hidden agenda of trying to save the soul. And it's true. How <laughs> can I say? It's like we have that agenda. And they know it. But the truth is that everyone has their own agenda. Why we cannot have ours? Their agenda is the Why we cannot have ours? Everyone's trying to convert somebody. Right? That's your point. They want us to convert into being just normal people and talking about nothing all day. Right. Yeah, they want to convert. Everyone has his. This is the thing. They are so called objective, but nobody is. Right. Very good. And Prabhupada said this, this, this accusation, you know, like that uh, we are dogmatic. He said, no, they are dogmatic, right? Because they are, uh, they are making dogmatic statements that God cannot be Krishna, but they don't know who God is. Right? So it's totally dogmatic. How can they make statements like that? He says like that. Anyway, we're on the dialogue session, actually. You jumped into dialogue a little bit. Uh, um, please go ahead. And then. So you, you raised um, a question about we becoming like them in, in asserting that we are the only ones who we only chanting Hare Krishna is bad. And, uh, and also we are discussing about how we see other, other uh, faiths or religions. Okay, yeah. And uh, if I may express some thoughts or some, some reactions I had, just in a few words, that um, I think that this discussion has been very nurturing and um, it's very helpful in, in assessing and, 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 and establishing our own faiths. But still, I, I, I sense that, um, at least for me, there is a, a, a strong uh, risk because of my neophyte level of understanding to fall on the side of seeing everything from the perspective of neophyte, where, okay, God is only on my altar, everybody else is just a demon. And, and in this discussion, I, I sense that it would be, for me, a little bit more helpful if we stress also the point of respecting others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think... Krishna, Krishna is everywhere, and, and devotees are also there in other traditions. I mean, that Amadhyam Madhikari, what would it... There is, what you I like it, what you're saying. I have one problem with it. Yeah. Okay? Um, and, and my problem is, is that I separate these stages in my approach, I've separated them. I said like, I've made personal conviction, okay, then like our ISKCON association, and then out to the world for, for good reasons. Because we're mixing, you know, we're mixing it up, right? And we should like get, the, get it right philosophically, like we should understand Chaitanya Mahaprabhu just really like clearly rejects the, the Bible, you know, the, even the New Testament, right? Okay, the Old Testament is one thing, he even throws out the New Testament. Prabhupada clearly says in the purport, New Testament included. So, uh, 
that we have to, I, th I feel we have to first kind of like, well, register that very well, you know, that they say that, uh, so that at least we know that then we can also recognize that obviously within the Bible there is a lot of transcendental knowledge. And you can also find quotes, you know, where Prabhupada refers to it as scripture and recognizes it, etc. And uh, we can give it all respect. We can, uh, in a, after that, in the next stage of dialogue, we can say, yes, it is, it is everywhere, it is also there. But first we should kind of like be very convinced about our own uh, philosophy. It's like Narada Muni telling Yasadeva, oh, you just wrote off everything was just uh, nonsense. Mm. <laughs> you didn't speak about Krishna so clearly. So uh, that's, that's what you're saying, that we objectively reject what is not really the best. But still, Yasadeva wrote the Vedas for, the, for, for helping the, the yeah. everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Not the but the Acharyas are very strong, huh? like and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also. Rupa Goswami points out that any scripture that doesn't deal with bhakti is not scripture at all. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, a similar statement in Chaitanya Bhagavata, I don't have the quotes right here and now. But uh, very, very strong condemning quotes. Any Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was teaching from scripture and he was explaining everything is Krishna. And his mother asked him, what book are you, are you teaching from today? And he, says, and he comes home and he says to her, he says, any book that doesn't teach about Krishna is no scripture at all, right? Only, uh, very strong. So, uh, I'm not trying to uh, create some sort of heart, hardness, you know. I can see like in both responses, maybe from Vishnamurti and yourself, you know, it seems like it comes across like, there is some rigidity, something very hard. It's, no, it's meant to be very soft, very uh, appreciative of everyone, respectful towards all others' beliefs and realizations and seeing that everyone in the world has its merits, right, and has good in him and to find the good in everyone and to give credit to everyone, right, even to, like, some materialist, you know, give him credit for what is due. But at the same time, see also the limitations of it. And that, yeah. Otherwise, you know, you get a problem with your faith, see. And uh, I'll take it back to that. You get, sooner or later, that your faith starts to shift a little. And your faith gets, you know, it's a foot in two boats. You get conflicting elements in your faith. Uh, in the ninth canto, or in the eleventh canto, chapter nine, there's that story about the girl with the bangles who wants to get married. I mean, um, simple story, young girl, she wants to get married, she's got uh, an Indian village. These, she's alone one day at home. Two men come to the house, an elder one, a younger one. The young one is exactly the kind of person she was thinking about. Uh, she wants to impress them. Uh, so she decides to, well, just host them nicely and, and, and she keeps her distance, chaste and everything, but she wants to cook for them. So she's trying to cook a super meal, really like knock them out, you know, make a big impression like this. So in India, rice is like, you know, is, is a big thing. There's a culture of rice, as in Italy, it's pasta. You know, uh, so uh, she wants this very, very clean rice and just 
and they throw put the rice in the tray, throw it up in the air, and just all the black things and whatever, wood, stones, they pick it all out. Uh, so she was doing this, and in the process, her bangles <coughs> were colliding and making noise. And she realized that the man would understand that she herself was cleaning the rice, which, and from that they would understand that they were very poor, that he didn't even have a servant to do that, and that obviously, you know, like then she wasn't like uh, uh, an interesting party, therefore she decided to uh, break off the bangles. Right? So this breaking of the bangles is a very important uh, point. Right? And uh, I had it on my agenda today, kind of as, as part of like what I wanted to discuss, the story and the breaking of the bangles. Uh, one can have only one bangle each arm, right? then there's no more collision. So ultimately, our f at least on the level of our faith, right? When we are in a private situation, it's one bangle, it's Krishna consciousness. All our faith is on, 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 uh, must be based on Krishna and Prabhupada's teachings, etc., scriptures and, and all that. Um, then when we, <coughs> when we preach Krishna consciousness, Oh, then sometimes we uh, we dress up with bangles and everything, right? That's okay. Sometimes, you know, sometime, one time I was in this program with a whole group of New Age teachers. They were all New Age teachers and, and they had all their different programs that they were doing with other people, right? So there was this couple and they were doing sound therapy. I said, wow, this is far out. We're also doing sound therapy, same thing. He said, yeah, but ours is like, you know, it is so wonderful because it's a, it's a total individual expression where everyone has his own sound, you know, has his own sound and then you just find that own sound and you make that sound and then actually, you know, it's like so purifying. It's just a liberation. If you find your original sound, right? So I said like, wow, this is really, really very, very inspiring because like, you know, it said like with us, right? It's a little different. It's a, we all make the same sound, but everyone does it in its own individual way. And it went like, wow. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, we have to like kind of uh, uh, cater to the audience. You know, isn't it? So it's like, uh, I appreciate very much your point about the Yeah. What stops us from yeah. solidifying exactly, exactly. Because then our faith in ISKCON is, is disrupted. Right. Our inability to dialogue is disrupted. Exactly, exactly. Disrupted. Exactly. That's why I'm doing this. You know, that's why I divided it in three sessions, in a way, I mean sections, and then that's why I'm like, okay, 
trying to go through this idea, let us first, you know, like uh, look at our personal faith in some ways. Uh, okay, uh, the time is very limited, you know, very, very limited actually. So we're just scratching the surface. There's a lot more that I put in writing than that I have spoken about and that we can deal with, especially. Like, you know, as we're going and we get everyone gets his input, which is nice, the discussion brings out many things also. So, uh, in a way, it brings out many of the same points that are here in the manual in another way. Uh, so, like, you know, I would say read it if you can. Uh, but uh, yesterday, we, I tried to kind of say, uh, take it to the point where we say, uh, Everything that we are believing in has many elements. Right? You believe in Krishna, but what are you believing in? Krishna has all these and these qualities and aspects to him. And it may be easier to believe that Krishna did one thing than another thing. Right? Uh, now, Prabhupada, right? it may be easy, okay, Prabhupada, he was so kind, so merciful, he made such a big sacrifice, he came with 40, 40 rupees from India, Jai Prabhupada. You know, that's easy to accept, right? But, you know, women are less intelligent, right? Boing, right? And now it gets already for that side of the table, uh, or maybe for everyone, and say like, well, you know, how, how are we dealing with that, right? I mean, what, this is more difficult, more sensitive, right? Uh, you know, like, Sadaputa on one tape I, I, I heard like, or somewhere he wrote that like well he said like you know if I have to start saying that there is only one solar system he goes like you know, like, you know like, how can I uh, it's like that's a little difficult at this day and age you know like to just say there's one solar system and there was some sort of little debate between Dhanavirmar and uh, Sadaputta. I saw some emails flying about, you know. And uh, I don't know if Sadaputta believes it or what, what he believes it. And I'm not concerned also. But I can imagine, you know, when, you, when you're a scientist and you live in the world, right? I mean, one solar system, it is a bit uh, difficult nowadays. Hubble really seems to give us another picture. Right? So some, some aspects may be more difficult. And this is the problem, is we are supposed to buy into the whole picture. Right? When you say, as soon as you join uh, this movement, you're supposed to buy it all. Normally, you don't buy everything. You just say, like, well, I like this, what he says, I like that, what he says, I like that. I don't like that so much. I don't believe so much in this. But this, I think, is very, very good. And, you know, and then you kind of develop your own emphasis. Right? You take all the elements and some... And, so you've taken from the teacher what you value, but something has changed in the mood along the way. But we're supposed to buy in lock, stock and barrel, you know, the whole thing, not everything. Although we are different individuals and we have different moods also, and that also cannot change. Like uh, what I say in Iskan, we have like uh, from, from day one, we had the East Coast mood and the West Coast mood. Or we had like, you know, East Coast was rigid and strict and the West Coast was like, you know, Lord Chaitanya is so merciful, you know, this movement is here to embrace everyone. Right? And that has prevailed and it has always been there in every tradition and it's still part of ISKCON today. 
and will always be. I think Vishnamurti wants to say something and then you can. No, we don't. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do. That's why yesterday I showed, uh, okay, I showed the principle of making the elements just on the example of Krishna, and you can do it with anything, any aspect of the philosophy. Uh, we made a few circles, and you can expand on that yourself. I mean, we had no time to do it. But uh, I think we should, therefore, take each of these elements, investigate them. Right? What am I believing in it? And why am I believing in it? Right? Uh, Why am I accepting all these things? Not just saying, well, okay, I have to believe this and I find this difficult. I find this. Try to understand it. Right? Um, like intelligence, oh, that, that thing, I mean, like, you know, I personally think that uh, one point about who's intelligent and who's not intelligent it is, uh, is uh, first of all, the, the Bhagavatam and the scriptures use a different definition of intelligence. It's not the same, it's not the ability to dice and slice, right? It's, it's, uh, it's, it is the ability to act in intelligence, right? And what is declared intelligent is the spiritual platform. Anything else is less intelligent. So it's the ability to understand, yes, the spiritual platform is the best, and to act then in intelligence. So, therefore, we're seeing like that, that practically nobody is intelligent in this age, right? Uh, because uh, nobody, or not nobody, but how many devotees in our movement have like, how far have they gone from the, uh, yeah, from what Prabhupada set as standards, right? I mean, I meet two old Prabhupada disciples and they telling me, well, you know, we had a glass of wine on, on the birthday, and like, you know, I mean, I don't think we were really any less Krishna conscious for it. Right? <coughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe you're not less, maybe you don't feel less conscious of Krishna, because that may be true, right? That if you have faith and practice, Right? If faith is very strong, even if practice is weak, faith is still there. Right? Even Apichetsudaracharo huh? verse, you know, is based on that thing that the person may engage in a bumble activity, but the faith is still there. Like one Gurukul kid said to his parents, he said, "The problem is with you that you're always trying to remember Krishna. We're trying to forget Krishna." Right? So it's like, uh, it's not so easy to forget Krishna, right? Uh, once you know, right? once you have the faith that he's there, that he's really the Supreme Lord, it's not so easy. Uh, so you could say faith and practice, even if the practice is weak, and if, but the faith is there, then still one is, uh, for quite some time, one can remain fixed up. 
but uh, the mercy becomes less, of course. Krishna's, Krishna's personal mercy becomes less. Yeah. yeah, I was also thinking, just touched upon the subject, how a faith, um, or a lack of faith, how it leads to um, problems in spiritual life. Yes. Could you elaborate some more on that? Um, yeah, I mean, see, like, let's say, uh, let's just stick with an example then, and let's say the solar systems, you know, I mean, not talking about Sadhaputta. I think Sadhaputta believes in the soul, you know, except as Prabhupada uh, said it, but saying, how can I deal with this, you know, in my, in my world? But, you know, just... There's only one solar system. That's what the Bhagavatam basically says, there's one solar system. Yeah, it's not more than one. It's one. So there's one sun in and, the universe. In the universe. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's unlimited universes with many suns, but in the universe, according to the modern scientists, there are unlimited solar systems, many suns. No, only one sun, right? And only one, and with its stars and its orbit and etc. So it's like, you know, it's like uh, going back to the dark ages, practically speaking. So, you know, uh, if you have some sort of academic education, right, you might, uh, let's say someone would have a hard time with this. Right? Now, you may say, well, is it such a big deal, you know, I mean, he's like buying into chanting Hare Krishna, he's buying into four regulative principles, he only has a little bit of a problem with the solar system. Right? Anyway, you know, it's, it's natural. So, no, 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 you have to be very careful, because... If you don't accept one as one element of what Prabhupada says or what Bhagavatam says, that means you don't accept anymore that the whole thing is absolute and perfect, and suddenly it's it's you, it's become relative, right? And you add this relativity, and that relativity in your mind expands to other other areas could also be relative, right? I'm not saying they are, but the door is open for for possible for relativizing. Knowledge and it's it creeps in again and again. So this one little island, you know, we have in our consciousness of of having considering it relative, right, will eventually create more spots. <coughs> and therefore, there comes this rigidity, you know, like which is sometimes taken as harsh and narrow-minded, and this that. You say, yeah, but watch out, you know. It's like it, it's uh, it's uh, as soon as you. T- you have to re- if you don't buy the whole package, you're in trouble, actually. Now, we may have difficulty initially, so if it's in our initial stage where we are growing to the point of accepting the philosophy, okay, you know, you can take some time to really investigate all these aspects, and that is what I'm calling for. So don't just, okay, you have to buy into the whole package, okay. From today on, I'll buy into the whole package, rascal that I am for not accepting the solar system. No, no, there has to be some, some, some deep, deep thinking. If we have a doubt like that, we should try and deal with it with arguments. Right? Yes. Yeah, well, <clears throat> practically, uh, considering practically, if you have to deal with all the kinds of like, different vague elements in scriptures, and uh, resolve our doubts in it, that would be sort of like become quite a boring study. In one sense, because like, I mean, um, well, not boring, but I mean, then we 
you go into all the sort of more the details of the. I don't think it's a study, you know, but I think it's a process. I think you you got to do it over the years because these doubts don't go away; they pop back up. And sooner or later, you have to deal with them. You know, you have to deal with them. Um, I have, though, another angle from uh, Trivikram Maharaj, and I'm just looking where the doubts were mentioned. Doubt fifty-two fifty-five. Fifty-two. Well, it begins very strong, but there's a whole session on, on doubt. Uh, Jivigarmach, first of all, says, uh, faith, page 52, faith is made strong by being pure. For me, purity consists of meditating on my faults, lust, envy, etc., and not stirring up my doubts by meditating on them, to give attention to my faults, not to my doubts. So it's dangerous if you go too much into doubt, you know, you can, there's a double bottom all the time, you know, like you start doubting, you know, and, and you become like Descartes, you know, do I exist, you know, I mean, like, well, I guess I do, you know, because I think, <laughs> I mean, this is like, God, can you imagine what he must have gone through before he came to that point, right? You know, it's like, there's this other quote, um, De omnibus dubitandum es, that's also him, doubt is everything, and, you know, in the end, there's no more conclusion. Right? It's like it's only all conclusion. There's, there's, there's no, yeah, there's utter bewilderment here. So we're, we we can't do that, and that's not what I'm calling for, right? For when we find that, like, we have a deep, deep doubt in a particular area, uh, and we have already heard the basic arguments for why this thing is so, and still we find it like, well, you know, well, I don't know, but uh, in that case, it may be better to put the doubt on the shelf and to go for purification. Mm -hmm. eh? Because, you know, you see, purification is described in the... Uh, in the introduction, introduction of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, as uh, it is like a process of going up in a plane. And as one goes up in the plane, everything begins to look smaller. Mm. Right? So it, it, everything looks small. So as we get more and more Krishna conscious, everything, all the material things become small. Mm. And at one point you say, yeah, one solar system, unlimited solar system. <laughs> you know, who cares? You know, like, I mean, you know, it's like, uh, it, it, it seems so trivial at one point. Right? Uh, so something that can be such an issue later on as one is purified can be not such an issue anymore so in that sense we don't have to like med I'm not calling for meditating meditating on our doubts and turn them over and, but I'm saying it's like at least we should understand why <coughs> Krishna is all attractive we say it 10,000 times, Krishna is all attractive. It's just a slogan, you know. As long as you, don't, if you can't tell me uh, some 10 good reasons or 20 good reasons why Krishna is all attractive, then I don't trust your faith. Then I think your faith is not very deep. Eh? Then I think you're just still on, uh, based, operating on the parrot principle, you know. You're just parroting philosophy. Krishna is all attractive, all attractive. But you have to be able to tell me why he's all attractive. And only then can, I, can you see, now you have begun, you know. You have taken the first steps on the path 
towards realizing how Krishna is all attractive because this is what it's all about to realize that Krishna is all attractive realize it, how he's all attractive and you know then he becomes so attractive that you roll on the ground when you chant his name so uh, this principle of resolving our doubts and uh, putting our, or using our intelligence to uh, to strengthen our faith is really has to be applied really to the to the main principles. Yeah, <coughs> like you know, uh, 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 this, uh, yeah. if uh, I go like chanting uh, Hare Krishna, it's something that I'm, I'm thinking about these days. Is uh, you know you have. Uh, of course, we need to chant attentive, right? Attentive chanting, otherwise it's helpless. Now, you know, I think we should do that. Uh, okay, if it is on nam or mantra, okay, then we are like, here's the sound, you know, and like, then it's uh, then. Uh, Atten then attentive chanting really becomes speak all the syllables nice, move your lips nice, and like keep your mind on it. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare 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 Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. It seems like you know. May even help with your fingers like that. Try tomorrow, Vishnu. Yesterday we had a great chanting session. He was on one side and I was on the other side, and Vishnamurti was chanting like, uh, I'll just show you. He was chanting like, Hare Krishna. Whereas I was in the, in the, yeah, well, I, really, I was in the Vrindavan Natabharam mood, you know, the dancing of Krishna on the tongue, right? So that's why. Uh, so I was trying to. Uh, I added a little melody to my chanting yesterday. It was was nice. I went a little, um, but whatever it is, uh, back to <coughs> here. Attentive chanting. If it's all fixed on the nam, right? If it's just and we don't realize that the Nam is anything more than the mantra, yeah? then it's only like, okay, I have to, then it's only relating to the syllables. And we find that very difficult. At that stage, attentive chanting is such a struggle. And so how can it bring my mind back? Every time it goes here, it goes there, it's so difficult. So, you know, it is said, Bhaktivinoda explains, in due course of time, one goes to different stages. One, or the next stage is Rupa. Yeah? one realizes the form, right, of Krishna. Okay? So, yes, this is the Adi Purana, that while we're chanting, we're associating with Krishna, personally, we're right with him, he's like with us. So if you start to really meditate on this, come, realize it, kind of, you, know, you chant, and yes, I'm associated with Krishna. When it becomes more than, not an exercise, but something you're really remembering while you're chanting, well, attentive chanting takes another dimension. You know, it, it really becomes, and it becomes less a forced thing, and it becomes more based on attraction. Yeah. And, and, and then if you know more about Krishna, you know, which is guna, right, then, and you know more and more about the qualities of Krishna, and how wonderful Krishna is, then each time when you are 
chanting the name and remembering that you're associating with Krishna directly, then one level further in the back of the mind goes, yes, and Krishna, with all his amazing qualities, right? Yes, then your attentive chanting becomes still based on your attraction. Right? Till, you know, okay, uh, Lila is like uh, even further because, uh, not that we have to read so much Lila now to enhance our chanting, right? Rather, that will spontaneously also manifest itself. These things will come out in the chanting. But uh, as we are over the years uh, hearing more about Krishna, this is also happy, happening to us. The Nama, Rupa, Guna, and eventually Lila. Right? We're, we're noticing that our attentive chanting is changing like that. And that after some time, it's not just anymore. Uh, I just have to fix my mind on that sound, you know, this mantra. But it's also, it's Krishna, come on, you know, look. It's really him, right? And he's far out because there's so many amazing qualities and he does all these amazing things, right? That's the one, you know, and that's why, why one can chant with much more taste. Right? So, uh, what I want with this is just to point out that uh, we have to uh, expand on things, yes, in, 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 in deeply. Uh, understand, yeah, if you just simply say, well, you know, chanting Hare Krishna is like the only way, and if you chant attentive, you know, you're never going to get over the offenses, it's the tenth offense against the Holy Name, it's the root cause of all offenses, etc., you know, it's like this. Then it's still very mechanical, see. Then it becomes, then the whole process of Krishna consciousness is very mechanical, and it's not like uh, you're not very emotionally involved right, at all. So one has to. So therefore, we have to go uh, see some deeper dimensions in all the all the things that we're doing. Shastra offers that, and that's what we're what we're doing. We're studying all that year after year, hearing more and more in our perspectives of all the various elements are deepening. Like you're talking about the universe, you can see. The whole Bhagavatam is just showing how the universe relates to Krishna, right? how all the elements came from Krishna, how all the it's, it's, uh, In the end, you just see Krishna everywhere, right? something like that. Um, so, I think going deeper into the elements of our process and of our faith, of our beliefs, is not a boring exercise. I think it's like uh, essential, but it's not like a academic thing, you know. Just draw a little circle uh, and and make some branches on it, you know. And uh, here we did personal faith. We did Krishna. Then we go to the next one, Krishna. Now we fill in Krishna. Okay, let's fill in Chaitanya. Let's fill that in, you know. Uh, and like that, you know, you can go on with this exercise. That's not what I'm talking about. But internally, though, we have to more or less, in due course of time, you know, Lord Chaitanya, it has to mean something to us, Lord Chaitanya, a lot, right? His mercy has to mean something. We have to understand how without Lord Chaitanya's mercy we could do nothing. We're totally dependent on it. So much so. And it has to become, it has to sink in deep this understanding. Otherwise, 
our faith will be something lacking. I was wondering like, referring to the yeah, the solar system, the um, like the details. Yeah, but you understand, you have to buy the package. That was my point. Otherwise, you, you relativize Prabhupada. Because Prabhupada was, it was totally uh, like that. Huh? I mean, Prabhupada was not like, well, you know. We have an interesting uh, thing in the Krishna Samhita, right? Um, and we had an interesting point, uh, article written by uh, Shukavak uh, called Adunikavat. Right? And this Adunikavat, uh, the whole Krishna Samhita gives like a 60-page introduction. And in that 60-page introduction, Bhaktivinoda Thakur is doing a trick. Right? He begins to present Krishna consciousness uh, in terms that are acceptable to the academics of his time. So he has a, Vedic da- he has a dating in there of, of like... Uh, uh, which is kind of, he's relating the historical sequence of the Bhagavatam to modern dating, right? what is modern in his time. So he puts like, uh, uh, and he does a whole thing. Uh, he goes like, uh, the Aryan invasion, right? He says, yes, indeed, there is a, a reference in the Mahabharata, and he gives a verse uh, that the Brahminical culture came from the north, right? So we tend to think that the Aryans came from the north into India. And if you read that section, you think, wow, what is this? You know, you sit straight in your chair, you think, you think like, wow, what are we getting now, right? This is like revolutionary. And then you read on, and then you read that it's, that it's Prajapati Daksha. Yeah? It's Daksha. And you say, Daksha? But when was Daksha, right? I mean, you know... Daksha, right? Way back, you know. So we're in a totally different time frame. And then he goes, Manus, and then he does a whole calculation. He says, well, these Manus were obviously different kings, and if we take an average that a king, you know, would live 50 years, and if we just calculate like that, and there's this whole list of Manus given, then the rule of the Manus extended over this and this period of time. And this way he dates it all, you know, like in his own schedule. And even following that, it still comes out that the Vedic culture is the oldest culture of the world. Right? So it's like catered all to the, to the academics' ideas. Right? Um, and this is... Uh, now, in that whole thing, he also has a presentation where he says that uh, a portion of the Bhagavatam is transcendental and another portion of the Bhagavatam is according to uh, time, place, and circumstance, and it's not transcendental. Now, this may apply to the Vedas in general. Right? We accept it for the Vedas. Trigunya Visya Veda, a portion of the Vedas is not transcendental. But Bhagavatam is Amalam Puranam. Right? So here, you know, like he's again, uh, all throughout that, that introduction, he's many times uh, uh, apologizing, right? saying to the Vaishnavas, he says to... Please, I know it's not orthodox what I'm saying here, but please, you know, my, the more uh, traditional readers just tolerate because it's just an introduction of presenting it to a particular audience, but actually you'll see that, you know, the conclusions of the Bhagavatam will follow. You know, so you please bear with me. And he's asking again and again like that. Uh, 
It was very interesting how, uh, at this point, that in other words, a portion of the Bhagavatam would be absolute and another portion relative, right, is then uh, further, uh, well, Sukhavak in his uh, biography on uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur has dedicated a section to this, Adunikavat. Right? So it deals with that, right, basically. Uh, but I'm warning against it, right? And he said, if we start ent- entertaining that a portion of the teachings of the, of the scriptures and the acharyas is relative and a portion is absolute, well, then, then we're open to interpretation. Then you decide what that portion is right, for yourself. And, uh, and Prabhupada didn't have that mood at all. Prabhupada was just, well, the Bhagavatam says that the, the moon is further away than the sun. Then that's it, you know. The moon's further away. They didn't go to the moon. Right? It's like, wow, you know. Yeah. I didn't get the right line through the discussion between you and Prabhupada. What was your initial question? About going, like, resolving doubts and, like, your study might go more towards the details. His point was that why investigate all the details? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, why. Uh, why is this so important? Does it matter if, if on a detail you are not uh, really so concerned with, uh, you know, so convinced? Yeah? As long as you're convinced about the main thing. Yeah. But my point is, is that it's... Uh, we shouldn't compromise with the absolute picture which we are striving for and um, we shouldn't become vulnerable to interpretation. We can, the Acharyas are probably like... Absolute, right? So you gave the example of Bhakti Vinotaku who was kind for of... A for a preaching strategy, yeah. For a preaching strategy, yeah. Yeah, that example I'm giving. That, that in a preaching strategy he did it, right? But, but not as an Acharya, right? Just absolute. And all the Acharyas are just like, yeah. this is the reality. And Prabhupada's point is, if the Vedas, if the scriptures say it is like this, and if reality says it's different, then know that, you know, uh, our perception of reality is, uh, is, is we're influenced by illusion. Um, in the ten types of proof, which uh, Jiva Goswami gives, he establishes the same thing. He gives, like, some priority to all the different kinds of proof, and he says, like, the Shastra is the, o- is the, most, is the only reliable source of truth, and no other source of truth, of proof, is really reliable. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, don't ask. It became a bit of a long, but uh, I don't mean to take. It was not that I'm personally uh, disagreeing with Brahm or something like that, but it's more that, uh, and that I was responding so strong to him. It's more in general that I'm responding strong to to the point of seeing things relative. Right? And I just want to point out that this is the beginning of uh, yeah, opening the door to relativizing whatever you like to relativize. And then we go, and then in the end, we go to what we always do, our own selection. You know? yeah. And I think, at least it's me, that a lot of devotees in our movement are doing that right now. You know? It has become like that because 
Well, you could say that uh, in the zone like in Prabhupada's time, ISKCON had a collective agenda. Whatever Prabhupada wanted, everyone's into it. In the zone Chaya era, ISKCON had a collective agenda, and it was running like an army. And just like Maharaj was saying this morning, you know, if you if you even went out of the temple and you still chanted 16 rounds, then you were considered blooped. You know, <laughs> like wow, right? Uh, pretty rigid. Uh, and then we went through the shift where uh, everyone went for an individual agenda in, in ISKCON. Right? It all became, that became the thing and uh, previously Krishna consciousness was homogeneous with being, with, with being surrendered to the agenda of ISKCON. Nowadays it's like I am what I am and I make my contribution to ISKCON and I get many things from ISKCON and, but you know it's me, my individual development, and my understanding, and my realization, etc. So, um, just that change of the time, that change of like the face of development is comes in, uh, is very good for us. We need more individual development. Obviously, that's why it went that way. But uh, at the same time, not at the expense of. Uh, that, that, that we should have a different opinion than Prabhupada about the absolute nature of the full package. We have to buy the full package with all its elements, I think. Yeah, well, quarter past twelve. So, um, I have uh, with that in my kind of used up the time that I, I had allocated for personal conviction. Yeah. I did not uh, read very much through this section of doubt, I, uh, but I've given some things about it. And I did not touch upon the section of atheism which follows next. Um, I just want to say one thing on atheism which I didn't write in the manual and then I and then end with that. You know, if you bear with me. And, and that is this, that I think the bottom line with atheism and dealing with an atheist is, uh, is when you can't prove that God exists. Right. If that's fine, he can also not prove that God doesn't exist. That's all. So then we are at least on the same ground. So our first in such a de debate, right, where our first step is where we say that, uh, okay, yes, you may challenge me that God that that you, that I can't prove that God exists, but I'm telling you. You cannot prove that God doesn't exist, and it's on you to prove it, right? So put the pressure on him, first step. So he can't. And uh, then the second point is this, is say, so that puts us both on, on the same platform. Right? We are now discussing like equals. Huh? None, both of us don't have proof. So both of us have our own truth, right? But... Uh, now we should judge that truth from its practical results, right? Now look at your truth, right? In your truth, right, there is no God, 
this life is all there is, etc. Right? And in that concept of truth, right, you are living with a constant contradiction. Right? Because you have to die and you don't want to. And therefore, like in your truth, there is a fundamental problem. You have, this, you have to live with this fundamental problem. You're going to die. Right? Whereas in my truth, right, this problem is not there. This is my truth. I'm eternal. Therefore, uh, everything is totally harmonious. Right? I'm progressively going forward in my truth. And therefore, my truth offers better opportunities for happiness than yours. Your truth is one that is fundamentally must lead to depression, anxiety or uh, stress. My, my truth is leading to happiness. And because happiness must be the, the natural state of our being, right, of like a psychologically fully developed person, my truth is better than yours. Right? So therefore, uh, you know, looking at it objectively speaking, you would do better to accept that God exists. Right? Okay. You see? Bottom line, kind of a bottom line position when you are, have, have absolutely no proof whatsoever. And he doesn't accept any kind of proof you, you present. Even the design argument, the, in all, and then the argument in all cultures of the world at all times, there was religion, so, you know. And, even if all those arguments, which are here in the appendix, right? Even if he doesn't buy into any of them, fine. But bottom line, you can get him on this right? anytime. I don't know if those points were clear, but I get, you know, without marking them on the boards, but uh, I hope they. Yeah. So then what do we do with uh, essays? I mean, how do we progress from here? Uh, all of you have made progress yesterday? Everyone has... It's going somewhere? Or people... Uh, some feel like difficulty in, in, in research and in, in finding the right uh, connections. I have found that there are some books that we have upstairs, that means like Dr. Rogier and myself, we have a private library here and uh, there is a lot of uh, stuff there which they don't have in the public one and I have some books which can be used. I, uh, I have like a uh, one book which is an anthology of world religions, of world scriptures, I think. anthology of world scriptures. It's like a big fat book with, with like uh, how different uh, world religions are looking at different uh, issues. And there's another, you do something with psychology. I have a, a book which is useful for everyone. It is a compendium on Western uh, philosophy or Western thought, compendium on Western thought. It is all quotes about, you know, little paragraphs about different topics of what people think about. That compendium would be very useful for someone doing something with psychology, for someone looking at, like, evil, you know, there's like, it's all, 
uh, many, many quotes on there. Um, and there's a third book which is available in the library, and it's called The Great Ideas by Mortimer Adler. And what he does... I couldn't find it yesterday. Okay, we're going to find it, and otherwise I, I, have also, I also have it upstairs. Um, but according, I heard that it was in the library. I didn't see it either, but I heard it was there. But if not, I'll bring it this afternoon. Uh, the Great Ideas uh, has... There is this person who has, uh, is a professor in literary studies who has distilled all the great ideas of philosophers and of the world history and some 60 major ideas and then sub-ideas. And then he gives like a progression of what different people think about these great ideas in, in very short little paragraphs. So that's also very useful for like uh, quick reference. So, so I'll make these three books available. Then, I don't know how far we got with the installing First of programs. First thing after lunch, it will be on the computers. Yeah, I'll make it a folder titled Faith. Okay. So he will, will, will start putting a number of programs in over lunch on the computers. And one is the Encyclopedia Britannica. Right? It, uh, you just go in and it shows a little menu and it says find at the top. or Somebody has to... Uh, Anyway, we'll be around, you know, to see if you get trouble. Uh, but you could definitely get interesting things from there. Like, I, I once typed in Nawab Hussein Shah and I got like a whole history on Nawab Hussein Shah. And like, he's telling like Sanatan Goswami, or this, Sanatan Goswami is, doesn't want to have anything to do with him because he wants to go and conquer Orissa. Well, then you look in the... Uh, uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, and you see that he did conquer Orissa, and when he conquered Orissa, and all that. Like, it's, it's nice like that. Uh, one can find you know, all kinds of topics there. Big philosophy section in there, very big. Big religion session in there, big psychology sessions in there. It's like, uh, get a lot. Get a lot from there. Um, then there is another thing, a library, a Vaishnav library with all the books, lots of, lots of books of all the Acharyas, like, uh, is also there. So, we're also installing that this afternoon, so, uh, yeah. We can also show how to do search on these things. See, there's a way you can set it up that you just do a search and it automatically goes through all the books. Of the of all the of all the Vaishnavacharyas on your topic, right? Like that, then you just pull out all the information.